0: I'm Teresa Au, and this is In The Making, Adobe's podcast about the real work and people who make up the creator economy. Before I introduce my guests this week, I want to take a moment to thank all of you for listening to our very first season. And in an effort to get to know you better, we put together a very brief survey, We'd love to hear from you as we plan season two. And to thank you for your time and thoughts, we will be giving away two 12-month memberships to Creative Cloud, which includes access to Adobe Express Premium, our lightweight tool for creatives and small business owners. You'll find full details and the survey link in the show notes. Now on to our show. My special guest today is Aaron James Draplin founder of DDC, Draplin Design Company. His clients range from indie rockers to car companies to the United States Postal Service. I mean, he designed a forever stamp. How cool is that? But he doesn't just have clients. He has fans like me and many others. His book, Pretty much everything. The beautifully laid out and hilarious survey of his work, inspiration, road stories, and so many lists is in its 12th printing. I just picked up my copy two weeks ago and I can't put it down. Aaron is a cult favorite among designers, and it's not hard to see why. He's loud, he's friendly, he's authentic, he's enthusiastic, just like his signature bold lines and brightly colored illustration style. When he's not working from his backyard in gorgeous Portland, Oregon, he's out on the open road, giving talks and workshops about graphic design, typography, and illustration. He's an unofficial ambassador of design, inspiring us all to be more creative, more efficient, and more free. Welcome to In The Making, Erin. I am incredibly humbled, grateful, excited, and happy that you're here.
1: That might just be the best one I've ever been around, the intro, because usually it's some rat kid thinks he's NPR. But that was wonderful. Teresa, thank you. Um, hi. Hi.
0: <laughs> so let's jump right in. Many of our listeners are early in their careers or new in their careers, or maybe even just taking a leap into solopreneurship for the first time. So I want to ask you, what do you wish you had known when you first started going out on your own in 2004?
1: You know, it's easy to look back now and say, well, if I just would have known this, and I I don't really like to do that. It's more like, if you're doing it now, don't Take this job and shove it Johnny Paycheck, you know, and quit your job like some big jerk. Put a month in, put three weeks in, be a good citizen on your way out of your job. Unless they're horrible, then just won't run out of there, whatever. You know, guns blazing or whatever. But I think the larger thing is, and this was very natural for me, was it wasn't professional job, stop freelance. They both kind of like like a tectonic plate, you know what I mean? One overlapped the next, and it was about a year gradation where I took a year and I worked as much freelance as I could.
0: While you had your day job, right?
1: Oh, yeah. And that meant, you know, I remember friends going out and courting their significant others and things or drinking or going outside and things, you know, like people do. I worked a lot because I was preparing myself for this scary precipice. When I did finally go on my own, I had padding. I had enough rent for a couple years. This is the stuff my mom and dad taught me. You know, you don't buy anything you can't afford and you don't make big bets on sketchy things. You make little bets. So when I jumped out on my own, you know, I was ready for it. That first year, I went from 65K to 200K. Why that's important? Because no one ever told me you'd be able to do that. Listen, it's a numbers game. I know what I have to pay for at that time. My mom taught me how to make a budget. So you have one foot in the pragmatic at all times, and then one foot in the go for it. You know what I mean? Like at at all times, you know. So I think what I would just tell anyone listening that's going to make that leap: be as strategic and as smart as you know. As plan as much as you can. You know, ask questions, be ready, have your tax stuff all squared away, and you can you can get that in an afternoon from someone, and then go, and then go, but be ready, and then you know, take every single job that comes your way, the good, the bad, the ugly, because it all adds up. I took the job. I learned, I learned, and it stacked up and it stacked up. If it was an ugly client and an ugly project, and I was trying to get this ugly paycheck, I had to be beautiful with my emails, my output, my ability to talk them down from a ledge or keep it positive. That was all on me at that point and it wasn't pretty all the time but i know how to do that i had a client two months ago and just reverse real quick or pivot or whatever they say and i knew how to handle it and they didn't even know how to handle me when i was like well well, what do you mean you're not going to freak out on us get your get your little keisters in line let's get this done we are out of scope but I know how to handle that. You see what I'm saying? They're bracing for me to freak out and jump out of the, pro- no, I'm, I got into it. I got to get myself out of it.
0: Yeah, you're experienced enough to know that, but I'm curious why you made that jump to running your own shop and not working for somebody else.
1: It was just versatility, you know, and also shedding the accoutrements of a professional environment. There's nothing wrong with all the meetings and the emails. But I sat through those meetings and people are just, you have to wake them up. We're wasting time. I mean, first things first, to have a lot of empathy for a business owner who has to corral a bunch of Aaron Draplins. It's not easy. So there are structure-based things they have to do, like meetings and you know, all these sorts of client calls. But we would come in there at 11 a.m. and play ping pong for a couple hours while we were waiting for feedback. My, you know, My account manager, who knew how quick I could do it, I'd come in and he'd be like, I don't have the feedback. So where where are you at? And it's like, I'm just waiting. So we would, yeah, screw around and stuff. And then, you know, here's the thing. Everyone would leave at five. I would be there well past five, 8 p.m.s, 9 p.m.s, 11.30s and stuff with the owner hammering. I knew what that took.
0: You didn't have a lot of control over how you manage your time. You're one of the hardest working people in the industry. But let's jump ahead to further on in your solo career. You've been making your own merch for a while now, Draplin Design Company branded merch. Before most other designers, what was the learning curve like when you started designing and manufacturing and selling all of these things?
1: Well I, I think it's as simple as us seeing how they made the sausage for the clients we were working for and it was like, wow. Um, It's a big snowboard company and they sell X amount of snowboards, but you come to find out they can sell three times as many t-shirts, little things like that, you know, where it's like, why are we spending all this time on t-shirts? Well, (laughs) because everyone can get a t-shirt or a hat or a patch or a sticker and the, the snowboards are a little more expensive, right? You know, and you'll get one of those at some point, but to see that, it was like, well, why don't we do that for ourselves? And it had nothing to do with selling. It was just fun to proliferate and get weird and confuse people, you know?
0: And what do you mean by confuse people?
1: Well, is it just me in this backyard? Or is there a team of producers, assistants, regional managers to the assistant regional manager? Stuff that might not be needed. No. But you would confuse people when they would see some big project come flying out and they would say, well, who's the account manager on that? Well, wait, wait, wait. Who landed the job and did all the billing? And that's funny to me in in a weird, subversive way. It was fun for me to say, "Okay, we're the Draplin Design Company. (laughs) It's just me.
0: Did you know that there was an audience for it? when you first started making them?
1: Well, I mean, it's probably romantic to say, you know, yes, I did. No, I, it was for our friends, you know? And, and then you give a hat to somebody that says Draplin Design Company, and it's like, well, what is that? Oh, that's this Draplin guy, he's in his you know, basement, and he's making these funny things. And if you trust the hat you're wearing or the pencil you're using as funny thing, well, why couldn't we do that for your restaurant? You know? yeah, You don't need to go to this marketing agency, Ugh come right here and we'll do it and I'll deliver them to you. So, you know, this was all organic. It just started as a way to give extra goodies to my clients and say, thank you for, you know, here's a fun t-shirt or pencil set or field notes notebook.
0: Oh, I was just going to talk to you about the field notes.
1: You work for clients and you see them have big returns and you say, well, why couldn't we do that for ourselves? You know, that's really where this came from. It was seeing things out in the world that I would go purchase And they would just be a little too goopy or a little too much attitude or a little too much extra sauce. You know what I mean? Where I just want them to be kind of simple. You can barely kind of see that really simple embossing on there. Just really undesigned, right? Much like something that you would get when you go to the lumber yard. Much like the dumb hats I wear when a guy gives you a free hat and says, use our seeds across America."
0: The Field Notes, you can tell my audience how it all started from like an unusual collection.
1: Have you ever been to a farm sale? It's really tricky because there's people there just gobbling up equipment, gear, stuff. I grew up in the small town, but three miles away, it was like we'd go to a kid's house and there was like cows and machines and farm, you know, farming stuff. You know, they were the kind of country mice and we were considered city mice in a town of 750 or whatever it was, you know, Central Lake, Michigan. I could appreciate the hard work that went into that stuff. I got a junk drawer one time filled with memo books, broken little bits and bobs. I'm looking through all these little goodies, and the little memo books are all filled up with chicken scratch handwriting, with recipes, how to fix this part of the fence, how much their budget was in 1949. The ghosts on those pages have a little respect for that, right? These pages matter. These little notes and doodles and things, they matter. And you start to see the jokes that they would have in there and, you know, the things that they would have very personal, you know, they used every page, they were super frugal, you know, and there's a meta- there's something there to glean, you know, that can be applied to graphic arts or just maybe just your life.
0: And how did that turn into a product line with the help of your friend Jim?
1: Well, then when it starts to catch fire, you need adults to make sure that you can scale properly. And luckily, I've been in the right place and right time to have, you know, Jim Kudal and Michelle Seiler and the people from Field Notes help me make that thing something real. If it was only up to me, it might have just been another run of hats. You know what I mean? When people with vision. And good morals and societal standing come and help you, it becomes a real thing.
0: I'm curious how many field notes, notebooks do you sell now?
1: I think this last three packs was an addition of 24,000 three packs. So this little guy right here. Now, gone to numbers where it was like, I want to say 60 and 70,000 three packs. And really the only way I can chart that is when I go to headquarters in Chicago, I'll just see pallets and be like, wow. Bigger palette than that one. Let me check the numbers.
0: The small town and the farm sales—they really influenced you in in many ways of how you run your business, how your philosophy in life. A lot of creators talk about making money while they're sleeping, sleep generating passive income from digital downloads. I know you have online courses with Skillshare and you license your own fonts. Was passive income something that you specifically sought to add to your business?
1: Um, No, it wasn't. It was more like, what can I do from my hands in either my backyard studio here or our other shop and not have to go to a fulfillment center? But no one talks about what the passive stuff is. It isn't just something that you're in your sleep. That's not reality. Reality is someone can't get the thing downloaded. So you got to get up in the middle of the night and help them download that thing. No one else is going to do that. You see what I'm saying? It's like it, it, it's passive in some respects. And then you also have to handle when no one's interested in something. So this passive income stuff, it's it's real tricky business. If you're going to do that, keep it in the black. Don't be doing it in debt because if it goes, goes a little weird, you're losing even bigger.
0: You know? Yep. Well, you have a big career in, well, I think you have a big career in speaking, teaching and building the DDC brand. Why do you still take on client work?
1: Because it's got big zeros on the ends. Like if anyone tells you it's for their health, that's just bullshit, you know? (laughs) Um,
0: I love the honest, honest
1: Well, when it has a bunch of zeros on it, it allows me to take care of my mom and my girl and all those around me. Um, And I don't take that lightly. I don't need a big bank account. I got one. I'm okay, but I'll wear the hell out of this shirt. I'll wear it out, right? Because that's the sort of idea of how I operate. But those around me need something. My brother-in-law turned 40. I'm getting him a new laptop. I got him covered because if he has that tool and then he can get himself ahead, I don't want to live my life knowing I could have done that for him. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I take it very seriously when the big jobs come in because it allows me to do a lot of small things with it. Yeah, you're right. You gotta be careful because they can be horrific people with you know, a thousand emails and a thousand meetings about meetings and times and bullshit and things that just stack up to so someone can check off a box. I get in a lot of trouble because I'll just go, Teresa, can I just call you? Get past all the other stuff and just do it. I so agree. That's not the way the world operates. We have to get the assistance and all the other stuff. Man. How many emails you got in your inbox? You know what I'm saying? I keep mine tight, you know, because I got to keep moving.
0: Yeah. Would you like to get to the point where, you know, you don't have to do client work if you had enough zeros?
1: I think I'm there. I think I'm there. But what does that even mean? What happens when it's Chris Stapleton calling and it's going to be a big one? But I fell in love with his records. So you make it, you keep it as small as you can, even though it's a big, scary, hairy gorilla. You keep it small. And the way you do that is you just say, when you need it done, why do you need 10 days? I'll have it done tomorrow morning. So, you know, if they could just be impatient enough to just call me and let's get it done, that defies all this gratuitous back and forthness out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you get out of the client work besides the zeros?
1: There is something fun about seeing people knowing they're in good hands making their logo or making their record cover or making something or or let's say charming them with like being quick where i hopefully that's charming and surprising and um like they can really trust me with these you know the turnaround you know and a bang for the buck like creatively you know
0: oh well i'm sure they're not hiring you just for design they're hiring you because you're you you have such a great relationship with people and you know how to manage relationships really well.
1: Well, that's also a little bit of a little sniff test, because here's the thing. I don't want to think I'm that much of a megalomaniac to think that they're going to hire me just to do Aaron Draplin. That's just not the case. Sometimes it is simply to bring their ideas to life. There's nothing wrong with any of that.
0: Yeah. To me, the DDC look is very simple, powerful, unapologetic, right? What are the virtues of having such a distinctive design style versus being more style agnostic. Do you ever feel like doing something totally different?
1: What about the things I've done that you've never seen? You know, and that's like really weird because there's projects that they are not orange, thick, big and hairy, whatever, none of that. What happens when you work for those things called, what do they call them, females? softer forms, different colors, difference of sensibilities. Being a good designer is not just about dipping it in the dumb things I like. It's about being appropriate for what the project calls for. So, you know, over the years, there have been things that have really nothing to do with me. I still got a paycheck out of that. What was appropriate for that project is really what pushed me, you know, Now, what happens when someone's kind of, dare I say, struck by who you are and they're like, well, just do Darren Draplin. I'll be the first to say, that's not what you guys should be going for. We need to get your DNA figured out. Who are you with your competitors? Who are you with just the people you work with? How do we make sure that thing works this big? and this big, and by the way, that's no different when you jump on a Delta Airlines flight. You know what I mean? If you study the napkin and you study the little thing that maybe does your coffee, it's all corporate branding principles and stuff, and that applies to everything. So when people will come in, I'll just kind of say, before we worry about if it's cool or not, is it functional? Does it work? Can 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 it breathe when you need it to breathe? What happens when you make some awesome logo for Teresa out and then it doesn't work on her little Instagram? That's bad design. It's not, we weren't thinking all the way through. So what do you guys do? We're going to be online a lot. Good to know. You know what I mean? We're not even going to mess with that. We're going to make tote bags, things and stuff. All right. That puts, sends me a different direction, puts me in a different little headspace. So to answer that, it's like, I'm glad that you see what I do. But that's only the sort of caricature, you know, of this kind of cartoon that this can become. When someone comes to me and could care less about that, and that happens an awful lot. You do the job, you arm them, and you get out, you know? There's nothing to even show on my Instagram. I just did my job, I got out. That's the truth.
0: So you're sort of an ambassador for the profession of design, I feel. What inspires you to drive your truck all around, you know, you called the truck gas pig, which is awesome, (laughs) around the U.S. giving talks?
1: Well, there's paychecks involved too, you know? I mean, what inspires me is just getting away with it. You make a book and then you're at the mercy of some marketing schlub who's never going to call you back. So we wouldn't market it ourselves. And how far could we take it? I got a van, I painted orange, and we took it on the road. And the only thing Abrams did, thank you, they published the book. Fine. But when we went on that road, we made that money. That's what bands do. Same thing. And the best part, if I wanted to go do a talk or a something for nothing, I
0: did. You can, yeah.
1: I did. And if I want to do it for lots of money, that funded the time you went to Dubuque, Iowa. See what I'm saying? No one needs to know the big from the little, from the small, from the lucrative. They need to know that I shook every single kid's hand everywhere I went. You know, even RISD, they were smart. Even <laughs> those little gremlins at SVA under Debbie Millman there, that's the meanest crowd I've had. Man, you know, you're going to get out of this school and you're going to have to go clip Shoes and Beaverton and make Nikes like everybody else. Relax, and then you know you come crashing all the way back down to some Votech I went to. Those were the most fun. Those kids were hungry. They said thank you. They were so cool, and they followed up with you, and I made friends. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Speaking of the open road, you have a love of travel, specifically road trips, right? From your book, and I quote. Nothing beats a road trip. The freedom, wanderlust, lowbrow chow, new faces, places, and spaces all packed into eight days across the nation. I imagine you get a ton of inspiration from being on the road. What kinds of things catch your
1: eye? You know, first of all, not only do you see the fun shit you can go make graphic arts from, you're inspired by, but you also see troubling things. You know, you see people that um, have closed minds, you know, I mean, I have to work on mine all the time. One time we were in Missouri somewhere, rural Missouri, and my buddy's wearing his CCCP shirt, It was some like Russian hockey logo or something, CCCP, you know, and these good old boys sitting there, you know, you want to explain that? Like, suddenly, it goes from wow, we're just looking at all the fall colors and the old signs to like, are we going to get out of here? You know, like these guys, they've never left this place. Like that's what you run into out there. So you got to be gentle, be quiet, ask questions, be respectful. You know what I mean? Like things like this, you know, but to go, the romantic side is there is just a very American creepy thing about getting in a, a van and driving one way as far as you can, it's beautiful. And you see so many different dialects and you see, you know, the the landscape change, you know, just like gradations, you know, as you go through rock to green, to whatever, to water, to what beautiful, like so much, so much diversity. I mean, you come on, you go to the Redwoods and I just don't even have words for it.
0: I know you learned a lot from your dad, being frugal and creative, how to engage with people, how to pack a car, how to do things right for the first time. Yes. Yeah. Right before we spoke today, I was reading about the section uh, about your dad in your book, which is so wonderful. And I'm sorry for your loss, even after 10 years. I know you celebrate his life every day. Um, My question is... What's something you've learned from him that still helps you today run your business?
1: Don't take for granted Fong, our USPS guy.
0: Yes, yes, Fong, the United States Postal Service worker.
1: Don't take for granted Ian with the cool hair, that's our UPS guy. When my dad is a tool salesman, what I saw him do, first of all, if you just think of like a tool shop, right? 10% up front of the offices. in the back, they're making the parts that the offices got the job for. And in the 90%, that's where all these people are making the stuff that they sell in the 10%. My dad just showed me, Aaron, I get the job in the 10% up front. There's no reason to even go in the back. But he would spend 90% of the visit with the guys in the back. He knew the guy who maybe got in trouble, had a thing around his ankle, no questions asked. My dad was as Funny and cordial and caring about that guy as he was the scrub up front who no one even liked. You know, the guy tucked in. What that taught me is you're just not above any of it. And I'll just say it right now. I got into graphic design and I saw people act in the part. They would snap their fingers at these scrubs in the back and it does not go over well. You know, if I go back there, I'm going to be respectful of the guy who's actually printing the stuff.
0: Yeah. It sounds like your dad taught you to treat everyone the same, no matter who they are, what they do, where, you know, all of that.
1: You know, of course, we missed the hell out of him. But I, I had him for 40 years and he was not a dad as much as he was a peer. Like we were buds. And it's because he lost his dad when he was 15. Now we had our battles. Aaron, I want you to I want you to I want you to cut the grass diagonal this way, and then I want you to do it again this way, like they do at Tiger Stadium down in Detroit. If you I mean, if you think I'm cutting that thing twice, I'll kill you. You know, we're in the back, you know, a little bit of an impasse. You know, that was the extent of it. So it's been 10 years, and all the jokes aside, I have him recorded, like, how'd you meet mom?
0: Yeah, you asked all the questions, right?
1: I should have asked a thousand more, but I listen to those, and I just have a little, little, little cry, you know, and then I, you know, I wipe it up with a DDC two 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 handkerchief, you know, whatever, and then I get on with my date. What do you do? So we talk about it, you know, we laugh.
0: Yeah, I do the same. Well, talking about, you know, age and life and all that. You just turned fifty this month. Yes, happy belated. Um, yeah, you've already accomplished so much in the public's eye. Uh, I don't know about for you because everyone's measurement is different. But what is your dream gig? Have you done it yet? What's next?
1: Well, I think I already did it. It's an art form in itself just to be able to be able to harness that and say, "I was it perfect? No, not even close. But I took care of those around me. I was creative along the way. It, you know, I think people chase things and lose sight of the wake that they're already making really the dream gig is to slow this all down so i don't have to i don 't have to get up at eight o'clock in the morning that's a privilege
0: so you're saying are you saying your dream gig has been what you're doing
1: oh I, it already was it already was but to, to go even higher on that mount everest it's to say now it's time to slow down enjoy the resources I was able to rat hole away and be frugal versus going on a, a, a year's worth of giant trips that we probably wouldn't even do anyway. You know what I mean? But we're going to go on a couple, you know, and just go take it take it easier. I want to slow down, you know, and then and maybe make even more room to just be helpful to people.
0: You know. Are you planning to do a second book?
1: Yeah, but uh, you know, it's, there's no hang-ups or snags, nothing like that. I have half of it mapped out. But, you know, do I do another compendium? I don't know if that's the answer. If you want to know about the tours, you can go back three years. The book has basically been on my Instagram, right? That's what you would get in the book. Instead, I think it's going to be, maybe it's just a big old how-to book. How to do it dirty. (laughs) How to slow down and ramp up where you need to ramp up. And how how to have a proper email to nip things in the bud. You know, stuff like that. Like... It's just, it would be like, well, here's the things that worked for me. Here's the things that didn't work for me. Let's talk about those too. What if it wasn't wasn't about these publishers and we could just give them all out? Like if you are, if you have shoes on nicer than mine, you pay twenty four ninety nine for this thing. But if you're some scrub kid, just give me your address and cover the shipping and we got you. Like that's something I've been kicking the tires on too, but you know, and I don't know. We'll see.
0: Okay. My very last question for you. I know you love lists a lot. Usually I end with asking my guests to give me one word that is guiding them this year, but I'm going to ask you for a list of words, as many as you want. What words will inspire you in 2024?
1: What words inspire me for 2024? Refinement, vulnerability, asking for help. Refinement as in getting better at the things. You don't need to go take on 17 things. You refine the things you already took on. Vulnerability. I need to ask for help from doctors and things and people who know how to do things, you know, to get healthier, right? right. Uh, Downshifting. How to slow down and enjoy things so it's not so hectic. Go on hikes more, go do things more, or Go record shop and I've got a whole wall of records here. You won't find one maroon five on there. I'll tell you that right now. But um, it's
0: on your list of hates. I know.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. If you read that stuff, my apologies because it gets pretty embarrassing in there. But uh yeah, you know, that's a good spirited way to end this thing, you know. Just maybe less hate.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Aaron. I so appreciate you.
1: Thank you for your time, and I hope I got it all covered for you.
0: I will be forever grateful to the wonderful Aaron Draplin for joining us today. And as you may have heard, he literally made me crack up and tear up at the same time. And we all got to learn so much about how he's been able to build his career on his own terms. Here are just some key takeaways. One, go slow. Whether you're going freelance or launching new products, go slow and make small bets. Minimize financial risks so you can enjoy your work. Two, what could you eliminate that feels like a waste of time? Aaron doesn't go in for excessive client meetings or long email chains. He is direct and to the point with every one of his clients. Three, as Aaron learned from his late father, appreciate everyone you work with and treat everyone with the same kindness and respect people will remember you for that. This is In the Making, and I'm your host, Teresa Au. We want to hear from you as we wind down our first season, and we're giving away two 12-month memberships to Creative Cloud to our podcast survey respondents. You'll find the link in our show notes. And follow us at Adobe Live on Instagram and YouTube to keep in touch between episodes or email us at inthemaking@adobe.com with your feedback and suggestions. A very special thanks to Adobe Express and Creative Cloud for making this podcast possible. And thank you so
1: much for listening.